Welcome to day five of how to build a godly and manly foxhole. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson of Undaunted Life. Let's get into it. All right, guys, before we get into today's devotional material, we are going to look at the first four days of this devotional. We're going to give you a quick recap because in each of those days, we went into some questions. And on the first day, we talked about what makes a godly man. Day two, we talked about what makes a manly man. Day three, we talked about can you be both godly and manly? And yesterday we talked about was Jesus a manly man? So in day one, what makes a godly man? We talked about two things. One, the truth outside of the self. So that's the narrative of humanity that we're all living in. And then the second part was the truths displayed publicly, which answer the question, what makes a godly man? And those are the listed godly characteristics that we went into. In day two, we talked about what makes a manly man. So at Undaunted Life, we have a definition of what a man is and that's a man is a male that cultivates spiritual, mental, and physical resilience daily. We talked about deceased Navy SEAL Adam Brown and his story. We also talked about Paul and his second letter to Timothy. Then in day three, we talked about, can you be both godly and manly? And yes, of course, we, we said that you could definitely be both things, that Adam Brown is a great example of that. Then we went into the example of Nehemiah as well. And then yesterday, day four, we talked about, was Jesus a manly man? And obviously, Jesus is a godly man because, of course, he's, uh, you know, God, but Jesus Jesus is a manly man because he's the perfect man, right? He's the perfect man, perfectly manly. Jesus cultivated spiritual, mental, and physical resilience on a daily basis. So we have the stories like him turning over the tables in the temple and his 40 days of temptation in the desert. So that's all kind of going into the fact that Jesus was a manly man. So guys, if you have not listened to the first four days of this, you want to make sure you do that before you move on to today's content. But if you do go back to some of the content of day one, I talked about how we've heard it all before, you know, that men are lonely, that men don't have friends, that men don't have other men that they can really count on, that men aren't engaged for the most part in the church, at home, at their workplaces. Also, men aren't leading themselves or others. And I briefly introduced a definition of foxhole. And I said, a foxhole is a group of men that constantly push each other to be better men. That's like the most dumbed down version of the definition that I could give you. And then also back on day two, we we talked about what makes a manly man. As I mentioned before, the definition is a man is a male that cultivates spiritual, mental, and physical resilience daily. So to extrapolate that out in order to answer today's question of what is a foxhole, here is the definition that we're using in this devotional for what a foxhole is. A foxhole is a group of men that constantly push each other to cultivate spiritual, mental, and physical resilience daily. Now, we had elements of those definitions kind of spread throughout those first four days, but that's it. A foxhole is a group of men that constantly push each other to cultivate spiritual, mental, and physical resilience daily. And this includes men that bring their own unique characteristics and qualities to the group. So even my personal foxhole, we have a lot of different kinds of guys that, that bring a lot to the table, but they bring specific things. So I'm specifically thinking about Shelby the Stoic. He, he's a guy that brings a very stoic attitude because we work out a lot. We do a lot of brutal workouts, but he never looks uncomfortable. He brings a stoicism to our group. We have Adam the host. So Adam, he's, he's a guy that just loves having people over. He loves connecting people. He loves kind of having that center place for everybody to kind of gather and, you know, bro down or hang out or whatever they're doing. We've got Jermaine, the athlete. This is a guy that has never done anything that was difficult, seemingly, whether it's on a ball field or on a jujitsu mat or something like that, that just things come very easily to him. You have Rocky, the positive. This is a guy that is just so unbelievably positive. He's so positive for a guy like me. It's painful because I tend to be a little bit more pessimistic in my style, but we have a lot of guys in our foxhole that bring certain things to the group. 
And that's what makes it this special gumbo of dudes that are really, really pushing one another because where one guy is strong, another guy will be weak. And then that's an opportunity for them to get together to maybe kind of fix that up to where they can learn from one another. So as important as it is for you to know what a foxhole is, it's equally important for you to know what a foxhole is not, obviously. So a foxhole is not just a group of guys. Okay. So some of you have a group of guys that get together somewhat often. It just happens to be this group of people. Maybe all your wives are friends and you're just the guys that are kind of left over on the other side of the house, you know, trying to hang out and make things not super awkward, but that's not a foxhole. A foxhole is also not just a men's event once a year. I know there are a lot of churches out there that think throwing one men's event a year, putting like 1% 1% of the church's budget for the for events for the year into this, you know, one day where they serve some guys some barbecue and bring in some ex-football player to come up and give a speech about how he used to chase women and do drugs and he doesn't do that anymore. That's not a foxhole. That's an event. And I'm not dogging on those events. A lot of those events are are pretty good and a lot of guys have a lot of fun there. But that's not a foxhole. A foxhole is also not just a men's prayer breakfast. So there's a lot of churches that do maybe a once a month or a once a quarter men's prayer breakfast. They get everyone together at like four o'clock in the morning and they have pancakes and, and bacon or whatever. And the guys get together and pray. Again, that's also not a foxhole. I'm not saying that's a bad thing that they do that, but it's not a foxhole, right? This is not a daily thing. So a foxhole is not just your old college buddies that you rarely see either. Right. So I know a lot of guys that had a really tight foxhole, either maybe they played on a baseball team or maybe this was the people on their floor in the dorm that they lived in, or maybe this was their frat house or something, but they had that group in college. And maybe every time one of the guys gets married or maybe they're having their first kid, the guys all get together. Again, that's a good thing to have. It's not a foxhole. A foxhole also is not just the guys from work that you go to lunch with sometimes, or the guys that are on your, your intramural softball team, or the guys that are on this or on that. Those aren't foxholes. Okay. And we're going to get into here a little bit more, a little bit of a deeper idea as to kind of how you do that. And we'll be doing that over the next two days as well. And as a quick aside, a foxhole isn't a group of perfect guys either. Because I think some things, whenever I talk about this subject, sometimes people think like, oh man, I'm trying to find these diamonds in the rough. And how am I going to find a, you know, a group of eight, 10, 12 of these diamonds in the rough? That's not it. All the guys I mentioned earlier, those aren't perfect dudes. The rest of the guys that are in my foxhole, these aren't perfect guys but they bring some amazing things to the table and they help me cultivate spiritual, mental, and physical resilience on a daily basis. So that's what a foxhole is and is not. But let's make it even a little bit more practical. I'm going to give you guys some very practical ideas to how to think through what a foxhole is and who's inside of a foxhole. So a foxhole is filled with 3 a.m. friends, not 6 p.m. friends. So let me obviously elucidate that out a little bit further because that just sounds crazy. But a lot of us have 6 p.m. friends. So if you call them or text them before about 6 p.m., they'll probably take your call. They'll probably return your text. They'll probably help you out. But after 6 p.m., it's like, oh, you know, I'm busy or I've got, you know, a fantasy football draft tonight or oh, I got to go hit some balls or I got to go put the kids down or I got to I got to take my wife on a date. I got to they're 6 p.m. friends. Those aren't guys that are going to be there for you when the, you know, what is hitting the fan. It's just not one of those, they're not one of those types of guys, but if they see you in public, you know, they'll say, Hey, how's it going brother? And they'll shake your hand and then they'll move on with their life. It just is what it is. I'm talking about 3am friends. So when you call this person at 3am, not only do they answer the phone, but also you can hear them as they're saying, hello, getting their pants on, grabbing their keys, grabbing their stuff. They're on the way, right? 
Hey, Foxhole is filled with 3 a.m. I'm on my way, friends. They don't know what we're doing. They don't know how many shovels they need to bring because we're burying a body, but they're showing up. These guys are showing up. I had a great example of this. So when my son was about six week old, six weeks old, he had a very severe abnormality came up. He kind of had had to have a potential emergency surgery. It was it was kind of a tough thing. It's our first kid, and we're like kind of freaking out. One of my buddies from my foxhole called me. He was on his way to my house to take care of my dogs because he knew we left the house in a rush to get to the emergency room. He called and said, I'm on my way to take care of your dogs. Just let me know how to get in the house. Now, this guy had never, I don't know, even know if he had met my dogs before. I don't know if he had ever been around them and he really didn't have any way to get into my house. I was going to have to tell him how to get in, but he was on his way. Now, in this scenario, I'd already had somebody take care of the animals. It was all good to go, but he wasn't an I'm on my way friend. He wasn't a, hey, you know, I know you're going through a tough time right now. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. I know people mean well when they say something like that, but most of those people would actually probably bristle at the fact that you were to ask them for something. You don't want people like that in your foxhole. You want 3 a.m. friends. You want I'm on my way friends. So you might be thinking to yourself, well, great. Thanks a lot, Kyle. I mean, why should that information be important to me though? And the reason that it should be important to you is because Jesus, you know, that whole uh, son of God guy, he even found it important to surround himself with a group of men as he performed his earthly ministry. You've likely heard of them, the 12 apostles. So we see them introduced in Mark 3 verses 13 through 19. I'll go ahead and read it here. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those who he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So, Jesus chooses his 12 apostles from his disciples, from a larger group of disciples. And this is roughly about a year and a half after John the Baptist introduced Jesus to the world by baptizing him. So we see that in Mark 1 verses 1 through 11. So that's a very seminal point that we see there. Now also picking the 12 is likely not a random thing. That's not just a random number of people that he decided to choose. Okay. So as the English Standard Version Study Bible Commentary puts it, initially Jesus proclaims the kingdom of God to descendants of the 12 tribes of Israel and the selection of the 12 apostles probably represents these tribes. So we're looking at Revelation 21, 14 here, and it reads this. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Okay, so this is very important for us to kind of to kind of think through. These are going to be the 12 men that will be the closest to Jesus during the remainder of his earthly ministry. I mean, just a crazy job, all right? They're going to travel with Jesus. They're going to be prepped and molded for ministry moving forward by Jesus. They're, they're going to serve as a support system for Jesus, you know, as if he needed one. But I mean, you get the idea. But here's the other thing, and this is great for all of us that are, that are going through this right now. These were dopes. These guys were a bunch of dopes. These were not amazing incendiary guys. These weren't the men in the community that everybody looked to for guidance and, you know, to, to get money from or to get influence for. Like, it was not that group of guys. It was just a group of dudes 
including a horrifically terrible, selfish person, Judas, Judas Iscariot. And, you know, that you know, kind of played into the whole story of how Jesus was taken out. But again, these weren't the tippy top people. These weren't the top 1% of best people in the community. These were just regular people. So when people read these stories and they're like, oh, I can't really see myself in there. You better see yourself in that story because you're in there, right? Most of us are, are those types of people, right? But there's a really important thing as we look at the scripture here. There are mandates to the apostles that are explicitly specified in this passage. Three, namely, there are three mandates. Number one, to be with Jesus. Number two, to be ready to preach. And number three, be ready for spiritual warfare. And we see those mandates in verse 14 and 15 going back to the uh, segment from above. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, one, and he might send them out to preach, two, and have authority to cast out demons, three. So those were the mandates that are explicitly there in the scriptures. And that's a job. I mean, my goodness, right? Just to be with Jesus because this guy was going everywhere, tough job, but also just to be ready to preach at the drop of a hat. Again, these weren't guys that were preachers already. These were tax collectors and fishermen. Like these, these weren't, you know, preacher type people, right? And to be ready for spiritual warfare. I mean, my goodness. Like, I know some of you out there have hard jobs. Is there a job that's harder than that? To be ready for all those things? That's tough. But also, those are the mandates that are explicitly specified in the passage. But I'm almost more excited about and, and focused on the mandates to the apostles that are not explicitly specified in this passage. Okay? So here they are. Number one, they are to subjugate themselves completely to the tutelage of Jesus. Number two, they are to be fully prepared to immediately act on Jesus' behalf. And number three, they are to support and develop one another as a godly foxhole. So let's go back to number one. They are to subjugate themselves completely to the tutelage of Jesus. Okay? So this was not a job where it's like, okay, I can kind of be in and I can kind of be out. Okay. They had to completely live under the tutelage of this man. And they said yes to it. Like we, we don't see anything in the scripture above where Jesus forced these men to accept this, this job or that, you know, he was kind of throwing it out there and whoever responded first got to join. But these guys had to come along, but in order to do so, they couldn't be about themselves. Everything had to be about Jesus and what he was teaching them. And the second thing, they are to be fully prepared to immediately act on Jesus' behalf. I don't get the sense that Jesus asked the 12 disciples for a lot of advice in terms of the things he wanted to do or the places he wanted to go. Because, you know, he's kind of like God, and I I think God has an idea as to kind of where he wants to go and how he wants to go and when he wants to go someplace. So I don't feel like there was a lot of discussion in a lot of these situations. So these men had to be fully ready, I mean, at the drop of a hat, to immediately do what Jesus told them to do and on his behalf, right? That's not explicitly said there in the scripture, but that's what these guys signed up for. And the last thing, they are to support and develop one another as a godly foxhole. I don't get the sense from scripture either that Jesus wanted these men to not, you know, interact with one another, right? That he only wanted them to react, you know, with a straight line of communication to him and ignore the other 11. I don't get that sense whatsoever. And so implicit in this scripture is that these guys needed to support one another, that this is a group of guys that have different skill sets and talents. Again, these weren't the most talented of the most talented, but they still have talents. They still had gifts and they had some things probably to teach one another. 
And so implicit in that scripture is as this group of guys, this 12 group, 12 men, and then you add Jesus being the 13th, they're going to be there developing as a godly foxhole under the tutelage of the son of God, which is so, that's just awesome. I mean, what a cool story to find yourself in. But here's the other thing. In order for the 12 apostles to be with Jesus, be ready to preach and be ready for spiritual warfare, they had to be spiritually, mentally, and physically resilient. And there really can be no reasonable argument to the contrary, right? Because spiritually, I mean, in order to be with Jesus, be ready to preach and be ready for spiritual warfare, like you have to have some spiritual maturity. You have to have this ability to bounce back because you're going to be learning lessons from Jesus that you don't quite understand, but you need to apply them. And you also need to do battle in the spiritual realms. You know, mentally, this had to be draining on these men. Because again, these weren't the best of the best dudes around, the smartest dudes around. This had to be a mental drain on them. Some of the things that they had to do and had to work through. And then physically, they were going around everywhere, right? I, we, we don't get the sense that these guys were setting up a tent and having people come to them. Obviously, they were going places. They were constantly traveling. That's tough on you physically. And likewise, in order for the 12 apostles to subjugate themselves completely to the tutelage of Jesus, you know, to be fully prepared to immediately act on Jesus's behalf and to support and develop one another as a godly foxhole, they had to be spiritually, mentally, and physically resilient. So spiritually speaking, if you're going to be under the tutelage of somebody that is claiming to be the son of God and ended up being the son of God, that's a spiritual resilience test pretty much on a daily basis, right? And if you're supporting people that are in your foxhole, you're probably leaning on the Holy Spirit. You're leaning on God in this situation to, to tell you how you should interact with these men and how you can help them. And mentally, I mean, just the, the mental act of subjugating yourself before someone else's authority is tough for a lot of men, right? It's certainly tough for me whenever I have to be under someone else's authority, right? Now, I've never been under the authority, you know, on an earthly sense and as to someone like Jesus. So it's a little bit different. But again, just to be ready to act immediately. I, on, on his behalf, I mean, for a lot of you guys, that may seem like that's a rubber band that's been stretched too far, like to always be on, to always be ready. That's a tough mental task, but you have to be. You have to be fully prepared in these situations to act in that way. But also, physical resilience. You're, you're doing things in service to Jesus and in service to the people around you. And a lot of that has to do with your physicality. These men were moving things from place to place. They were helping each other. I mean, just think about whenever Jesus fed the masses, like these guys were using their hands and they were going out feeding these people from their baskets, right? And Jesus was taking care of the rest, but they really had to be ready to go physically in order to do that. So we kind of have an ultimate list that comes out of all this. And it's this number one, be with Jesus. Number two, be ready to preach. Number three, be ready for spiritual warfare. Number four, be subjugated to the tutelage of Jesus. Number five, be prepared to act on Jesus's behalf. And number six, develop one another as a godly foxhole. I mean, that's a pretty good list of marching orders there. I mean, for all of us. But as we get in further to this idea of what a foxhole is, and what it should be, and how you should fill it, and how you should maintain it. I mean, really what we're going to be spending the next two days on, this is a good place to come back to. Because you have to also remember, is this how you're acting? If you go through that ultimate list of six things, are you acting in that way? Are you checking all those boxes? Are you looking for those qualities in other men, other men that you're going to have be around you that you're going to do life with? It's really important. So again, our definition of a foxhole, a foxhole is a group of men that constantly push each other to cultivate spiritual, 
mental, and physical resilience daily. All right, guys, before you move on to the next thing, here are some questions to ask yourself. Number one, do I have a true foxhole? If not, why not? And guys, if I'm going to venture a guess, I'm going to say the most of you are going to say no to this, especially after the next two days when you really look at, okay, what, what is a foxhole? A lot of you guys, if you're being honest with yourselves, you would say you don't have a lot of 3 a.m. friends. You don't have, I'm on my way friends, right? A lot of those guys don't check those boxes and there's certainly not a group of them. So if you don't have one, you need to kind of dig and discover why that is. Second question here. If I were in trouble at 3 a.m., would I have a godly, manly man to call? Would I have a godly and manly man to call? I mean, that's, that's a tough one because for some of you, if you immediately put yourself in that 3 a.m. freak out situation and you can't think of anybody to call, that's a tough spot to be in, right? That's partially why we're doing this so we can fix that. Last question here. Am I with Jesus, ready to preach, and ready for spiritual warfare? Now, the first part, obviously, are you with Jesus? That, that's something that, that you've really got to reckon with. You know, have you accepted him into your heart? Is that, is that a relationship, a discipleship connection that you constantly think about? And then the ready to preach part, most of you think like, whoa, whoa, whoa I got, there's a guy at my church that, you know, he's getting paid to do that. So I don't need to be worried about that. But are you ready to provide an apologia and answer for why you believe what you believe? That's preaching, fellas. And are you ready for spiritual warfare? Are you ready to go to battle for your family? If they're being attacked spiritually for your friends, for your foxhole, because if you're not, it's going to be a problem. All right, guys, for more content like this, check out the rest of our podcast episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review and a five-star rating and check out our website at www.undaunted.life. Also, we are five days into this. And if you've already gotten a ton of value out of this devotional and would like to download the entire series for your personal future use, please go to www.undaunted.life backslash donate backslash foxhole. We will make sure the link is in the description so you can easily get there. www.undaunted.life backslash donate backslash foxhole. Give us a donation commensurate with the amount of value you think you've gotten from this already and download the episodes for your use. Make sure you come back tomorrow for day six, where we discuss why all men need a foxhole. Until then, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.